Looks like some kind of insect. A bee. Bees, Scotty. Killer bees. Are you endowing these bees with human motives? Do you have any idea what those bees can do? The honeybee is vital to the environment. Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Welcome to Killer Bees. This is not a Wu-Tang podcast. No, this is a podcast where we profile B-movie and genre film icons. My name is Garrett Smith. And my name is Tori Potenza. We can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at gmail.com. Send us an email, folks. And we are part of the Movie John Podcast Network, found on moviejohn.com. That's J-A-W-N. Our artwork is by Alex Schneider, our music is by Christine Rayburn, and her partner Pat, and today we're talking about Spadesy, James Spader. Jameson Spader. Jameson Spader, mm-hmm. is that his real first name? No, I don't think so, uh, uh, but it, no, as far I as I know, he does like to be called Jimmy. Oh, he uh, likes to be One called... of his first film credits, he's uh, Jimmy? credited as Jimmy Spader. Jimmy Spader? I wonder, I would have called him Jimmy Spades if I knew him growing up, I think. Ooh, that's a... That, Sounds like a loan shark or yeah. something. It sounds like what James Spader looks like. Yeah. Jimmy Spades. It's Jimmy Spades. Yeah. Yep. Uh, did you ever find out if the spade tattoo that he had on his arm in one of the movies we watched is? Oh, that's a great a real tattoo question. I can't remember which movie it was in, but we noticed he had a, a tattoo of the you know the card. Uh, it's a spade, I guess, that which is from cards. Is that like what that is actually from? Huh. That symbol. Well, that's interesting. There's. Oh, I think it is real. Hell yeah, dude. Because, okay, so in one movie from 85, he has just the spade tattoo, which I'm showing Garrett right uh-huh, now. Uh-huh. But then later, it looks like he does like a cover job, and oh. there's like a spider with the spade. I see. Interesting. But yeah, so James Spader tattooed a spade onto his arm, and yep. that's one of the most James Spader things that James Spader it's has probably ever hilarious. done. hilarious. Yeah. Yep. Real excited to talk about him. Yep. Fave in this household. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Was there anything that we watched uh, recently that you want to talk about? Oh, you want to catch up on some stuff? What did we watch recently that we want to talk about? I do realize oh. that I forgot to log Ringu, too. Um, oh, yeah. So we now watched... my letterboxed is false. We watched the sequel to Ringu, which I don't think either of us liked as much as we liked... Uh, the first one, or either of the Grudge movies. Yeah, I mean, it added some interesting stuff to the mythology, and I think expanded on, like, why this is happening. Some really cool ideas. In um, some really cool ideas. I felt like I was kind of sleepy through most of it, which may have, okay, like, may have been the movie, may have been because I was really stressed out about trying to watch Attack on Titan last night. You were legitimately stressed out at one point. You couldn't <laughs> even talk to me about other things and got mad at me because I was trying to ask you about something that was not <laughs> Attack on Titan related. I was, like, very hyper-focused on Attack on Titan, and my sister wasn't responding to my texts about it, so it was... It was the whole thing. I thought you were going to burn our house down because you couldn't figure <laughs> out how to watch it. Uh, no, uh, but I also think it was that. Plus, I was hungry, uh, but I just didn't eat. So it was like okay, well, hangry ne- yeah. with 
stress about watching an anime show. Well, next time, just say, I'm hungry, give me food. Uh, yeah, and I can I arrange for that to happen. Yeah. We live in a house full of food. We can make sure you get some food. I know. Sometimes my brain is disconnected from the rest of my body, and I just like can't. I don't actually know how to like say the things that are happening with me. Yeah, so. I, I've disassociated in my time. <laughs> I never did it over Attack on Titan, but... <laughs> I understand. You probably have done it over something dumb. Everyone has. Oh, 1,000%. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us for a couples therapy session uh, (laughs) as a part of the Killer Bees. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so Ring U2, I don't know. the good ideas, but not 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 for us totally. It didn't totally work for us. Yeah, which the uh, the other there stuff. was like one moment that I thought was like very creepy and scary. Yeah, uh, it has good images yeah. and ideas. Yeah, for sure. Like the definitely the sort of the idea of psychic energy and how it is utilized mm-hmm. throughout the movie, I thought was really really interesting. I feel like I noticed it tries to keep the same tone of the first one, which is much more of this like procedural kind of like mystery that's unfolding where I think grudge I probably like a little more because it feels more like quintessential horror movie where there is a lot of just like creepy imagery and moments and it's like really atmospheric and it's like experiential horror yeah where especially ring you two was like mostly about characters that are like finding out about the things that are happening they're not necessarily having them happen to them yeah, and then it's also, yeah, it's, like, kind of, like, recapping, yeah. like, a lot of, like, the first movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you kind of have to, like, remember a lot of, like, the first movie. And I feel like we were both, like, playing catch up that. a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like, lots of lots of cool ideas. I'm definitely still interested to see, like, where the series goes. Yeah, I want to watch the, um, the American ones. Yeah, me too. Of that and The Grudge. I agree. Um, but I figure one thing you probably want to talk about is we watched Fatal Attraction. Oh, my God. Right? Yeah. Fatal okay. Attraction was yeah. really good. Okay. I assumed you wanted to talk about this. I enjoyed Fatal Attraction as well. Yeah. Uh, I have been having a lot of fun just like watching sleazy 90s erotic thrillers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, we both discussed this. This is no basic instinct. Which, no, no. Like, it, like yeah. I, I can see why people compare the, these two movies all the time. Yeah. I mean, they both star Michael Douglas. It's, it's very easy yeah. to go like, yeah, these erotic thrillers about women that really want to like real bad want to kill Michael Douglas. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Jan DeBont shot mm-hmm. uh, Basic Instinct and Paul Verhoeven directed it. Like the two of those madmen making a movie like this, yeah. it is such a different experience from Fatal Attraction, which is a good movie. Yep. Um, but is, I said to Tori, I was like, this is just a movie. Yeah. Like, Basic Instinct is like a fucking experience. Uh, there were a lot of cool, like, uh, cross cutting between scenes. Like, yes. uh, the lead up to the uh, boiling pot of water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Where it's like going between the wife and the kid outside. Yes. I thought that was really good. And, like, I knew what was about to happen. Um, yeah, yeah. But I was like, oh, this would be interesting if you're just like, what are they doing? Like, what is this? That was, by the way, not what I thought was going to That was like oh. the thing that I thought I knew about the movie. I didn't know about the movie. That's yet. like one of the few images of the movie I have seen. The, the boiling, yeah. the, the thing in the pot, we'll just say. The thing in the pot. Yeah, okay. Uh, gotcha. But yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, it also, I think that I just I, one, I just think Fatal or uh, Basic Instinct is like a five star movie. Uh, Sharon Stone is like so good and just like manipulative in like the fucking most fun, like she's absolutely satisfying way ever. She's so incredible in that movie. And like 
I thought Glenn Close was really good in this yeah, yeah. movie, but she's not fun because she's like batshit. You're just like she's oh. fucking intense. Yeah, like she is like kind of like cool and seductive at the yeah. beginning, and I was like, oh, I've never really seen Glenn Close in a movie like this before, right. where she is just being like cool and seductive, like. So I enjoyed that aspect of it, but that's like the first like fifteen minutes of the yeah, movie. She escalates uh wildly <laughs> so and fast. quickly. Yeah. So fast. Yeah. Uh but I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Yeah, me too. I uh I did as well. I thought it was fun. Yeah. And now that I've seen like very young Michael Douglas, uh-huh, I understand yes. why people are attracted the, to him the in sex later appeal movies. of him in yes. these like where he's playing a little more like middle age or whatever. I understood yeah. it much more watching this than I did when we watched Basic Instinct. Yeah. Which it'll be interesting to read, which I know we will at some point revisit Basic Instinct. I'm thinking about that I want to watch it right now. Yeah, like, yeah. Like now with the sort of added like, okay, now I get Michael Douglas yeah. too. Like I get you know, it's like now I also get what's yeah. attractive about him. It's like I know I want to fuck Sharon Stone yeah, yeah, in this yeah. movie. Yeah. But like, do I want to fuck Michael yeah. Douglas? I mean, I don't know if I want to fuck him in that movie necessarily, but no. I at least understand the appeal. Yes, yeah. agreed. Yeah. Uh, he smokes too many cigarettes in that movie. I think that's <laughs> one of the things. Oh, th- he's, he's he's like, like a hot mess in that movie. In that movie yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He like he also escalates quickly, where it's yeah. just like, oh, I'm like fully unraveling as soon as I meet Sharon Stone's yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is actually that's an interesting sort of the. She was almost on the other foot in Basic Instinct, where he's the one that becomes very obsessive very quickly. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. that is interesting. Uh, Were there any other movies you wanted to talk about? You know, I don't know. I knew that was the one that you would have a lot of, like, strong uh, reactions to to want to talk about. Yeah. Um, Oh, well, I know this is one of your favorite movies, and I finally watched it. The Faculty. Oh, yeah, you did watch The Faculty. Yeah, at 3.30 in the morning when I couldn't sleep the other day. Mm -hmm. Um, Great 3.30 a.m. movie. Very good for that liminal headspace. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I like Robert Rodriguez as a director a lot, as you know. Um, And I really enjoy when he's making Hollywood movies, which is not that often, actually. And I think he, he, I don't know, he he shows up for those movies. Mm. uh, And... He does a lot with what he's what he's got in that movie. I think the creature is really fucking cool, mm. um, and there is definitely a rubber version of it in at least one scene at the end, which I thought looked great. Even but also the CG effects I thought held yeah. up fairly well for what they are. But it's also it's a it's a fucking really weird Kevin Williamson script. The guy that wrote Scream. Mm. It, everybody's really media literate in the movie, but it's also it's got like I, it's got a scene where a bunch of teenagers do bootleg cocaine for like ten minutes. It's like a whole sequence oh, in that movie. You're right. Because yeah. that's how they it's like the thing blood test. Yep. They figure out that this bootleg cocaine that um what is that actor's name? Josh Hartnett has been making yep. and selling to the other kids. Which is such that, like that is like a weakness of the monster. And so if they all do yeah. it and they don't die, they just get high. Um, they're fine. Yeah. Well, like we talked about this too. It's a body snatchers movie. Yeah. So that is such a funny way to be like, so if we're going to make a teen body slasher yeah. movie, we're going to need a, them to do some drugs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really, I really enjoyed it. It's very funny. Yeah. I mean, it's got this crazy cast where like one, the teenagers are, it's a crazy cast of people that go on to do all kinds of other shit. Right? I love watching, uh, my fellowship in movies <laughs> like before, uh, Lord of the Rings. Yep, yep. So I like love watching yep. L- young Elijah Wood. And he's really good in this he's movie, great. I think, yeah. but like, you know, Hartnett and then Clay Duvall, like there's all the, and, yep. um, Jordana Brewster is like one of the main I characters know. who I literally only know otherwise from the Fast and Furious universe. Yep. 
Um, so it's like it's fun to watch all these young actors, right? But then mm-hmm. now that I'm like a, a, more of a movie fan and I have all this knowledge, you know, whatever. The adult cast is crazy too. I know. Robert Patrick is fucking awesome in this movie. Robert Rodriguez yeah. gives him all these great power shots. Like he looks awesome in that movie. Fucking yeah. Piper Laurie is in it. Um, uh, Salma yeah, Hayek the actual is in like it. faculty yeah. of the film are also great. as crazy. Yeah, it's like a crazy cast. Famke Jansen. Oh yeah, who's Salma Hayek like kind of like flirty with in that movie? Um, There's oh John Stewart. Yes, John Stewart. Yes, yep. yeah, that's John it. Stewart. I was like, oh, she's like flirty with someone yeah. else. Where I was like, ooh, this is interesting. Yeah, John Stewart's really fun in that movie. Yep. Yeah, I I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, good time. Uh, you want to talk about Spadesy? Hell yeah, dude, Jimmy Spades. I wonder if he would hate that we're calling him this. Uh, he, I, you know, I can't tell. I feel like he, uh, the he seems like he is somewhat like the characters he plays, and is a bit of a, a I don't know, a, a darkly humored trickster. Does that seem about right? Yeah, I mean, from what I've also read, like it's. One, it seems like he doesn't always do a ton of interviews. Yeah. Um, and is like pretty like tries to keep his life like outside pretty of acting private. pretty private. Yeah. Uh but it also seems like I've heard like he's like a pretty nice guy. Yeah. Like uh, you know, he's maybe a bit of a weirdo. Yeah. Uh I think that some of that aspect is probably true, but yeah. he I've heard that he's like pretty nice and chill. I get the impression Jimmy Spades would uh you know, at least he might hate that I've called him it five times now, mm-hmm. but he might have chuckled the first yeah, time. Yeah, he'd just be like, please stop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he might have chuckled the first time. Um, so yeah, I have a, uh, so James Spader has, uh, 54 acting credits, much fewer than I expected, and but most a lot of, of them, those are TV. Uh, actually, actually not that many. A lot of them are movies, but he did like, oh, cause he just did some like long, big series. Yeah. Like Boston he, legal is him, Boston right? Boston legal. And then I forget the other one. Blacklist is his other big one now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he had that, um, uh, the practice. Oh which yeah. Is right, like, right. I think he plays the same characters, Boston legal. I, that sounds right. I think, yeah. I think they're in the same universe. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have a couple quotes from him. Um, Two of them are kind of connected, but I thought it was really funny. He said, if I don't need the money, I don't work. I don't mind going to somebody and saying, hey, like, okay, this is how much money I need to pay my bills for the next six months. If you pay me that, I'll do the film. I like imagining that when Marvel came to him and said, hey, do you want to be in an Avengers movie? He was like, yes, uh, I need $4,000 to get through the next, like, five months. Can you pay me that? Like, that he somehow... under-negotiated his own contract because he didn't need that much to live for the next six months. And Marvel's like, I guess we could do that for (laughs) you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But then he goes on to say, uh, I'm going to spend time with my family and friends. I'm going to travel and read and listen to music and try to learn a little bit more about how to be a human being as opposed to learning how to be somebody else. Yeah. Uh, Which I kind of like. I think that's an interesting... Yeah, and that that sounds like pretty typical, like, disaffected actor shit to me, too. I mean, But also, like, yeah, if I was, like, an actor that made tons of money, like, fuck that, I'd do a movie and then travel a shit ton. And this definitely sounds... I mean, he was not, like, a child actor necessarily, but, like, started his career young and got, like, a lot of fame and acclaim young. Yeah. It sounds like somebody that, like... You know, they they got all of that like fame and fortune like pretty immediately, and so now they're they're looking for more out yeah. of life than just like this part of their career. Uh, and then there's another quote here. He says, "I've always loved antiheroes. Uh, those are the characters I was around to growing up. And if I'm equipped to play a hero at all, it's certainly an antihero. Yeah, which is very fitting. Yeah, oh yeah. That I mean, that's like half of the movies we're going to talk about, right? Like that's like yep. the kind of character that he plays generally. Um. 
and I mean, I imagine this is how you end up with a James Spader in an Avengers movie where it's like he probably doesn't really want to do big blockbusters, but yeah. knows that there's like a really big paycheck in being the villain in one of them where it's yeah. like, if I'm the villain, I don't have to come back for 30 more. I could just be in one, get that fat paycheck and, and you know, live off that for years. Yeah, it's like there's such a weird jump from his movies in the 2000s to his movies in the 2010s because he only has three movies and they're all like kind of bigger movies. Yeah. And that's like not really what any of the rest of his career was like. It's very strange. Yeah, I mean, you get the impression that he gets to be choosy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, he was born February seventh, nineteen sixty, in Boston, Massachusetts. Tori's Hell yeah. hometown. She loves it. Hell yeah. Um, he attended Phillips Academy in Andover. Um, dropped out in eleventh grade. Um, bus tables, shoveled manure, and taught yoga before landing his first roles. All right, I. Uh... I can imagine him teaching a yoga class that it is very amusing to ponder. I, yeah, hilarious, yeah. considering his characters. But yeah, he like talks about, he says, I drove a truck for a while for a meatpacking plant. I shoveled manure at the Claremont Riding Academy in New York, mopped floors for a while. I uploaded railroad cars and trailers at a warehouse. I wasn't really qualified for anything else. <laughs> All right. Um. So then, yeah, he his first film role is in 1978. Uh, he was in a comedy called Teammates, and that's his only acting credit in the 70s. Okay. Um, he in that with anybody interesting? No. If, okay. I, if he was, I probably would have wrote, written some notes. Yeah. But, um, then in 1981, he's in a movie called Endless Love, starring Brooke Shields, uh, and that is the film that he is credited as Jimmy Spader. Okay. Um, and the like quote on the cover is just, "She is fifteen, he is seventeen. The love every parent fears." Jesus. I'm like, okay, sure. Um, he was working as a janitor at a rehearsal studio, uh, run by an acting teacher and casting director, um, in Times Square when he landed this role, which I think is really interesting. Okay. Um. Then in 1983, he's in a TV movie called Cocaine, One Man's Seduction. Need to find this. Absolutely need to see what... The thing is, it doesn't sound as fun as it should be. It sounds like it's like a PSA about like yeah, that's the dangers I, of cocaine. That's what I expected from that title. Yeah, yeah I, I would absolutely watch James Spader in a, in a bad PSA about cocaine. Yeah. Which, I mean, if he was the star of it, like, absolutely. Yeah. He pro- I think he just had a small role in it. Um, he then does a TV movie called A Killer in the Family with Robert Mitchum. Um, Definitely need to see it. Yeah, it's about a father who's serving time for murder um, and gets his three teenage sons to help him break out of jail by saying he's being threatened by other inmates. Hmm. Um, however, when they get him out of jail, he like takes the sons on a crime spree. Uh, th- this sounds great to me. Yeah, uh, this I believe is on YouTube. Spader so you can and watch Mitchum. Oh boy, yeah. Yeah, okay. interesting combination. Gotta see it. Uh, in 1984, he was in a TV movie drama called Family Secrets. Uh-huh. And then in 85, he stars in Tough Turf with Robert Downey Jr. Hell yeah, Tough Turf. Which we watched. Yeah, been dying to watch this movie. Yep. I knew it was like on a streaming service somewhere. I've had it in my watch list forever. Something about the cover of this movie really speaks to me. I think it's just the pink font that the uh, the title is in. <laughs> 
Uh, and, it's like neon uh, colors. Yeah, yeah <laughs> something something about it. I don't know. It just really spoke to me every time. I think I could. I think I saw somebody review it as like a new wave something or other, and I was like, well, I have really been digging new wave yeah. movies, so. I was really into watching this, and I'm super glad we did. I yep. can't believe this is his first like starring movie role proper, yeah. uh, which is interesting. And he's really good in it. Yeah, um, he plays like a a tough, like affluent kid who's like dejected because he's been like kicked out of private schools. We're and... supposed to believe that he's. Uh, from a wealthy family in Connecticut yep. that was basically forced to move to Los Angeles because like his dad's business, his dad's business like went under or something. Yeah. Um, but that like, also he's this problemed teenager that's been kicked out of every private school. Yeah. And it's like, when, when you see what kind of kid he is and the way that he is like acting with this crowd that he gets involved with in LA, it, I cannot imagine what private schools in Connecticut he was at where he ever even met another human being like the people he's around in Los Angeles. There's this great scene because, like, he's the younger of, like, the two brothers yeah. and his other brother is, like, doing really well. Wunderkind. He comes to, like, visit the family yeah. and he's talking to his mom and he's just got, like, a polo with the sweater, sweater wrapped around, around him. Yeah. Like, granted, brother looks like the biggest douchebag on yeah, the yeah. planet. I believe but... he says he's, like, in law school or something, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then... It, James Spader comes out and starts fighting with him like, oh, yeah, like I'm the bad boy. But then he's also wearing like yeah. an insanely preppy outfit. Yeah. And so it's just the whole scene is really funny because it's like, OK, dude, like he, I don't I don't think you're actually like that tough. He you has know? a black jacket with precisely one patch on it that patches a Union Jack flag. And that is supposed to be what is like cool and edgy about him. Yep. Uh, but I really liked this movie. It uh, has like multiple live performance scenes where they go mm -hmm. to clubs and see bands and those bands are like basically different kinds of new wave bands doing covers of like old rock and roll songs uh and they were super fun uh especially the the what were they called like jack mac and the heart attack i think so yeah uh, had a bunch of horn players with mustaches they yep. were great um so there's just like it has like big new wave vibes everybody's got like new wave hair and like crazy outfits um but, like, for an hour, the movie is this, like, pretty entertaining, you know, Brat Pack-adjacent high school movie. Um, Robert Downey Jr. is in this movie as, like, a kind of loose cannon kid that he meets at school and starts kind of hanging around with. But Spader gets kind of dragged into this, like, you know, this bad gang of street toughs in L.A. Uh, because he kind of likes the one girl in the gang. And then all of the sudden, the last hour takes this turn that made Tori gasp. Mm -hmm. And it becomes this like pretty serious adult drama about one of those tough kids basically being a psychopathic murderer and uh, James Spader having to defend the honor of the girl that he has a crush on to this like yeah. violent maniac kid. Yeah, we talked about like some of the weird tropes this has that like other 80 movies do where it's like. Yeah, like the rich kid who's like a rebel and yeah. like because that was a thing. But then there's also a thing in 80s movies where it's like the school bully is a legitimate psychopath yeah. that like actually will murder you. Yeah. And it's stuff that I'm like, I don't think I've ever actually met any of these kinds of people in real life. Like, yeah. I don't know why they're in these movies. Well, but also in these movies... um, very often it's that like uh you know in like stand by me keeper mm -hmm. sutherland's character it's like you get these characters that like you understand to be very dangerous and mm -hmm. they do threaten violence against other kids 
But I don't know that I ever really believe they're going to commit that violence against those kids. They really are just trying to scare those kids. Mm -hmm. This movie straight up has a, 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 this kid murders people in this movie. Like No, but then there's ones like, uh, like It. Like yeah, yeah, it the bully kid, he is very violent. just like cuts yeah. a yeah. kid's stomach, and you're yeah. like, "What the fuck? Yeah. Like, who are these yeah. children, and why are they just running around free?" But also in that movie, like that kid is like possessed by a kind of evil, or like that evil is like making him do th- right. Like, he's... I think that's later though. Like, he's legit just a bad psychopath okay. at the beginning, and then he's possessed by like all this yeah. shit that's going yeah. on. Yeah. yeah, gotcha. Yeah, but it's just a weird weird trope to, mm-hmm. to see yeah. in these movies. You know, my point was that in this movie, the kid is like actually a murderer in a way that yeah. I don't think they are in other movies. It is really crazy. Yeah. I liked this movie a bunch. I thought it was really fun. Uh, Yeah. After that, he's in a movie called The New Kids uh, starring Lori Laughlin and Eric Stoltz uh, about a brother and sister who move to a small town to help their relatives run an amusement park and are terrorized by a local game. Uh, which weirdly sounds just like Tough Turf. Yeah, uh, which uh, Spader has, like, the bleachest blonde hair I've ever seen uh, in this movie. Uh, I looked up pictures because I just could not believe how insane he looked. Uh-huh. Um, he is then in a TV movie called Starcrossed with Belinda Bauer, who we've also seen in, like, a bunch of random stuff. Okay. Uh, an alien woman is running from a deadly enemy and tries to hide on Earth, where she meets a young mechanic who helps her get back home and fight for the freedom of her people. That's so crazy. I mean, this sounds like Star Man, just like you just know, like with the a lady. Ge- yeah, the gender swapped. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. Sounds good. Uh, and then after that, in 1986, he is in Pretty in Pink, uh, which we have talked about before for yeah, Harry, uh, Dean. Harry Dean Stanton. Um, he, so we've seen this movie, obviously. Spader's good in this movie. He is great in this movie. Yeah. I think he his his role is Steph. Yeah. Uh, which is such a fun, like, 80s bad boy name. Um, and, yeah, he's, like, the antagonist the whole time. Yeah. He makes fun of Molly Ringwald's character. He, like, tries to get his friend Blaine to not date her. Yep. But then he's also, like very attracted to Molly Ringwald's uh-huh. character and keeps hitting on her and she just like does not have the time of day. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I read when I was like looking up information about him, I read that in an interview someone asked Molly Ringwald if she thought her character like did have a crush on him mm. and she was like, no, but I certainly did. And I was just like, damn, way <laughs> to <yeah>. go. <laughs> he really like, well, some of the roles we'll get to in a few minutes are a little more of this, but like this is where he starts establishing that sort of like, He's like a cocky asshole, but somehow he's also likable. Like he's yeah. like, he's more villainous in this movie than he yeah. is in some of the other roles we'll talk about. But it is that thing of like you're still kind of charmed by him. It's weird how he's able to utilize that in different ways, uh, yeah. and is is always still charming, but like plays like degrees of villainous and in, yeah. in some of these sometimes he's kind of just like misunderstood good guy it's like right. very interesting where he like falls in these character roles i'm just fascinated by his ability to like be definitively an asshole but yeah. also still likable somehow you know he mentioned in one interview and i thought this was an interesting quote where he just says uh I didn't really look like a character actor, yet those were the roles I loved to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you were a character actor who didn't necessarily look like a character actor, you had to play bad guys. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that's like an interesting observation for him. Uh, he, and yeah, I ki- it kind of makes right. sense. Yeah, it sounds yeah. about right. Uh, 
Um, apparently, he was also offered the role of Blaine, but chose the role of Steph because he found playing the villain more fun. Sure. Totally okay. makes sense. Yep. And then I think it was in one of his, uh, like... Uh, practices or ca- during casting, uh, Spader told Cryer that I figure I got a lock on this teenage asshole thing. <laughs> okay, that's exactly hilarious. what I was just saying. Yep, yeah. Yep, he knows how to do it. Yep. Uh, but yeah, he he really is just like one of my favorite parts of this movie. Oh yeah, me too. He he is like so entertaining in it. Uh, in 1987, he is in Mannequin with Kim Cattrall and Andrew McCarthy. A movie I'm super familiar with, but I've never seen. I really wanted to watch it, but this just like is not available anywhere, which yeah. seemed really weird to me. Um, especially given like all the other, all these other movies were pretty available. Like a lot of his filmography was. Yeah, you, you can actually watch most of the, uh, his work right now. It's yeah. floating around in different places on the internet. Uh, he was then in a movie called Baby Boom, starring Diane Keaton and Sam Shepard, which I have seen like multiple times. Oh, really? Because yeah. it was on TV a lot, okay. and I think like my mom or my grandma, like someone in my family, liked that movie, so I had just seen it multiple times. I have a vague memory of this movie. Mm-hmm. I do think I've seen parts of it on TV or something. Yeah, Diane Keaton is like a quintessential like businesswoman. Yeah, who's like really tied to her job. She's dating a uh, Harold Remus. Who plays a uh, investment broker, and then all of a sudden she like for some reason needs to like take care of a baby, right? Like, when a relative in her family I've definitely seen dies. some of this. Yeah, okay, this is all very yeah. familiar. And so she like then moves to Vermont and like changes <laughs> her life. It's like this whole weird story. Yeah. Uh, and James Spader plays like a character she works with. I wanted to like uh, look up some clips and I kind of forgot because um, I don't r- totally remember his character in this movie. This happens to me a lot when we like we'll be going through somebody's filmography and I'm like, wait, they're in that movie. I've definitely seen that movie. Yeah. I have no memory of them in that movie. I know. And he like. He looks like he's playing like cocky, like a business character, yeah. which also totally makes Sounds sense right. for him. Yeah. It's like, I mean, he looks like if like Blaine just like went on to be like an investment broker or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's then in Less Than Zero uh, with Andrew McCarthy and Robert Downey Jr. I mean, he's like basically part of the Brat Pack, like yeah. right? Like we, you and I, sort of kind of decided on like he's like Brat Pack adjacent kind yeah. of. He's like. He's not in any of the like big major Brat Pack movies, mm-hmm. so like, I mean, Pretty in Pink is as close as you yeah. get, and he's a kind of minor role in that. But he's like in all of these movies that surround those those people, yeah. you know. And yeah, this is an adaptation of uh, Brett Easton Ellis's yeah. book, and that just like I don't know that he like feels right in an adaptation of <laughs> I a Brett Easton Ellis. I agree with that completely. I've actually really wanted to see this mostly because I uh, I like these actors so much yeah. now, and I would like to see them in the Ellis version of like what they were doing in movies yeah. right now. You know what I mean? Like they were all, they were the Brat Pack. They were in these movies about like, Oh, teenagers are cute and cool or whatever. Yeah. And like the, you know, the Ellis version of that is like way darker and stranger. Teenagers are terrifying. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I, I am very curious to see that. Uh, yeah. I think that was also pretty available from what I remember. Um, he is then in uh, Oliver Stone's Wall Street, uh, starring Daryl Hannah, Michael Douglas, and Charlie Sheen. Now, I have seen this movie. Um, oh, Wall okay. Street's a really entertaining. You would probably enjoy Wall Street. Okay. I feel like uh, it, it's got the kind of just like thriller thing that I think you and I kind of have grown to like recently. Gotcha. Um, okay. Going on in it. Um, but I do not remember him in it. This is one of those movies where it's like, I've seen this movie. I don't remember Spader in this movie. Uh, and then he is in the movie Jack's Back, which 
I feel like it was we wanted to watch this movie, and that's one of the main reasons we were like, let's do James Spader. Yep, one of the reasons we basically decided to do Mr. Spader uh, for this series is because this movie has been on our watch list for yep. a while. We've been wanting to watch it. The cover is just James Spader's face. It says, Jack's back! Yep. Big letters. And the movie, as it is like described in like all like you know IMDb, Letterbox, everything, is that it is about... A hundred years after, like the Jack the Ripper killings, uh, those killings start up They've again. Started again, and it it seems like it might be a copycat, but the details are so like close that it is like somewhat like very similar to those cases. You, you when you read the description of the movie, you assume there will be a question yeah. of whether something supernatural is happening, yes. or that's for sure how it makes it sound. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but then you start the movie, and in the first five minutes, yeah. they explain that most of the the new murders have already happened. Yep. Uh, there's uh, if if he is basing them exactly on the old Jack the Ripper murders, which is what it seems like. There's one left, and it's tonight. Yep. So the movie just in five minutes gets rid of, gets all this story taken care of out of the way. And even crazier than that is that the Jack the Ripper stuff is kind of like a red herring and yes. has nothing to do with this movie at all. It really kind of becomes background once yeah. you get about like 30 minutes into the movie. It is about a doctor that gets murdered yes. and his twin brother has like a psychic link with him, yes. sees him get murdered and tries to figure out like how his brother was involved in the case because his brother was like the prime suspect. Yeah. Um, and they said he killed himself and because he felt guilty and he's trying to prove that one, his brother was murdered and two, that he is like not guilty. Right, that he's not the yeah. Jack the Ripper copycat. And James Spader plays both of the yes, brothers. The doctor brother and the, yeah. what would you call him? The uh, the street tough brother? The, the, yeah. He's the brother from the other side of the tracks, basically. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he is like a manager of a shoe store <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah. And his brother was like this. He like was a doctor working at a clinic, but also like doing all this like great stuff to try to like, I think like in the beginning of the movie, he's doing an interview to like get people to be aware of like the homeless encampments yeah. that are around. So yeah. it's like they keep being like, oh, look at what a good guy he is. Yeah. And then his brother's like just the shoe salesman. Yeah. It's yeah. Very funny. But it's again, like the Jack the Ripper case. It's like the, the, the good brother, quote unquote. Yeah. It's like, he is a doctor, and yep. these killings seem to require a good amount of medical knowledge. Yep. He's got, you know, prostitutes are who are dying, and he yeah. spends all this time working at this homeless encampment. Uh, it's like all of these things, like, seem to add up to, like, this is the guy. Like, yeah. It's got to be this guy. It's so strange. There's so much weird stuff going on in this movie. Also, who directed this? It's the... Oh, Rowdy Harrington. Rowdy Harrington. Director of Roadhouse. Yes. Uh, yeah, and it's like... That's the thing is this movie is kind of good in a lot of ways. Like there are some there's like a 10 minute chunk in this movie where the plot twists like five times in a row where it's yeah. just like twist, 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 twist. Yeah. Like, you, it's so much twisting. You get like you get some whiplash like at, yes. at one point in the movie. And it, but it's like fun. Like it, it is having a good time sort of like laying those things out. Yeah. You just have to be willing to like go on the journey with the movie because it is not really what it lays out for you and when it starts. There are still loose ends yeah, by yeah. the end of it's the weird. movie. I yeah. have multiple questions Me too. that I demand Rowdy Harrington oh, answers. There is that scene. I mean, we don't have to get too specific about it, I guess, but there's that scene with the psychologist that I, they hire. It's that all I, I've been thinking. 
do not them. understand. It's like might be keeping me awake at night. Yeah, there's yeah. this scene towards the end of the movie with a police psychologist that like I I don't understand why he acts the way he acts like no. at all. Yeah, he's like manic for a man that like has never acted that way right. once in the entire movie. And I mean, in the moment is that is, uh, I guess a red herring, like we're meant to think something dangerous is maybe about to happen. But then when it turns out that is a red herring, I don't know what the fuck that guy was doing in that scene. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, 100%. I don't know why he was acting the way he was acting. It makes zero sense. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I liked this movie. I guess I didn't love this movie, but I did have like quite a bit of fun watching yeah. this movie. Super weird. Yeah. Glad we watched it. What the fuck? Jack's back, baby. Uh, and then in 1989, he is in Sex, Lies, and Videotapes from director Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, starring Andy McDowell, Peter Gallagher. I've always wanted to see this movie. I still couldn't. Yeah. I feel like you have a, a Soderbergh version of some kind that I, I need to is figure out true? how to get around. Yeah, you say no to his movies very often. And mm-hmm. when I get you to watch them, you enjoy them. But uh, you you often tell me no when, I, when I'm interested in watching one. Huh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't realize I had an aversion to Soderbergh. You do. This is one that sounds interesting yeah. to me um, and makes sense, especially like where his career goes, like 90s and onwards, where I mean, he's kind of playing into these like sexual like fantasies and um, uh, like kinks. And I'm trying to think of like the real word I'm looking for. But uh, but yeah, it's like all of this, like, I don't know, like kind of uh outside behavior i guess uh like deviance deviance yeah. deviant behavior that yeah. is the word i'm looking for thank you i mean i do think that this movie is quite literally the like pivotal point in his career yes. where the one of the big things about this movie was like you'll never believe james spader the teenager that's like kind of from the brat pack interesting like in in this movie that is like so adult and about yeah. these you know adult relationships and stuff and i even think it's like one of the movies where he does pivot like out of looking like a teenager and mm-hmm. into more of an adult, you know, because yeah. he has such a distinct kind of, he, he looks very distinct, I think, from from young to older, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I uh, agree. Spader. Yeah. Um, he, his performance earned him the Best Actor Award at the Cannes Film Festival. Which yeah. Is pretty cool. Yeah, this movie was like a huge splash at the time. This yeah. is one of the movies that they credit sort of ushering in independent film as like this new wave of, you know. Um, this and Clerks and, mm. and some of like the Tarantino, the early Tarantino yeah. movies, they're all kind of lumped in as like the new class of indie filmmakers. Yeah. Um, and then I can't tell if he met her on the set or not, but his ex-wife, uh, Victoria Spader, was the set de- uh, decorator on oh, Sex, okay. Lies, and Videotapes, cool. which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, after that, he is in a drama romance called The Rachel Papers, which is a very strange name. That is movie. a strange name. I just mostly assume it's got to be about the character from Friends, Rachel. It's just like a report about her. I know, right? Um, and then we get to his roles in the 90s. So for TV, he was on an episode of Seinfeld and Frasier. I... I... Actually, kind of, I don't remember his Seinfeld episode, but like when I was looking through his credits and saw that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Of course he was in an episode of Seinfeld. And like for someone that doesn't do much TV, it's like, oh, for 90s, you do like two of like the quintessential like 90s TV shows that make so much sense. Um, In 1990, he was in Bad Influence with Rob Lowe. I want to see this one. Yeah, this one sounds interesting too. A a soft and hesitant young man is in danger when he tries to break uh, toxic relationships with a mysterious stranger claiming to be his friend. Yeah, so it sounds like my, I mean, this sounds like our kind of trashy, you know, 90s thriller stuff. And it's like, are they sexually attracted to each other? (laughs) I wonder. Uh, He's then in a movie called White Palace starring Susan Sarandon, Jason Alexander, and Kathy Bates. All right, that's a cast. 
uh, lust turns to love for a 40-ish working mom uh, and a 20-ish yuppie uh, with little in common. I assume he's the 20-ish yuppie. Yes. I mean, he would be perfect for that. I believe he is. Uh, with Sarandon? Yes, with Sarandon. Damn, that's a hot couple. I got to watch this movie. I know. Pretty good. And then in 1991, he is in a movie called True Colors with John Cusack and Mandy Patinkin. Okay, I- that title is so familiar to me, but I don't know why. Yeah, I it like I don't know. It like didn't sound familiar based on the yeah. like description of the movie and everything. But uh, interesting cast also. Yeah. Um, in 1992, he's in a movie called Storyville with Michael Parks and Pepper Laurie. Uh, so some more of the Twin Peaks cast yeah, to yeah. talk about. Uh, while investigating his own blackmailing, a young politician uncovers his family's deep secrets. It's kind of interesting. Um, he's then in a movie called Bob Roberts with I've Alan Rickman, Tom, Tim Robbins, mm-hmm. uh, Ray Weiss, and uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Crazy cast of people. Yeah. I had never heard of this movie before, but it sounds like based on the description and like the poster and everything oh i was like oh this like feels like it was like probably a cultural touchstone of the time it just does not sound familiar to me at all uh a friend of mine really liked this movie and showed me this movie years ago it's real good oh okay it's very funny it's it's like a um what would you call it like a farce kind Mm. of like a just about like american politics yeah and it's one of those movies that like continues to ring more true like as time marches on or whatever yeah because it says it's about a folk a conservative folk singer who decides to run for the senate which (laughs) yep it's exactly what you're thinking it is and it does it pretty well it's pretty funny that's fascinating um and if i'm not mistaken yeah written and directed by tim robbins oh interesting yeah yep uh, again, another movie that I did not remember James Spader was in at all, but I have seen this movie yeah. and I do like this movie. It's so interesting. Um, I think you would like this movie. It, it's something we should watch sometime. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 1993, he is in a movie called The Music of Chance with Mandy Patinkin and M. Emmett Walsh. Oh, loves that Patink. Yep. And then he's in a movie called Dream Lover with Mansion uh, Emic, which I would love to see. Uh, you did want to watch this one. I know you did. Uh, this uh, has like very big like '90s erotic thriller vibes, where like I think Spader's character is like recently divorced, and he meets her and like is immediately attracted to her, but then it's like she might have like a dark secret. I'm like, ooh, hell yeah! Mansion Emic with a dark secret. I'm mm-hmm. in. Yeah, sounds great. Sounds real good. And then he is in a movie called Wolf from 1994 with Michelle Pfeiffer, Jack Nicholson, Richard Jenkins, and Christopher Plummer. Uh-huh. Crazy cast about Jack Nicholson turning into a fucking werewolf. Yeah. How did I not know this was a movie? Yeah, yeah. It's like a werewolf movie that, like, I think my understanding of it is that, like, I don't know, maybe it's, like, supposed to be more like he just transforms into, like, a wolf wolf, yeah. like, not, like, a wolf man. Also, I have to read the description that was on IMDb because it made me laugh. Publisher Will Randall uh, becomes a demon wolf and has to fight to keep his job. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was like, there has to be more to it than that. That is so funny. <laughs> this guy turned into a wolf. He almost lost his job. <laughs> like, that's your biggest problem? They wanted to fire him. He kept coming into work. It's like, you can't be a wolf in this economy. Yeah, dude, you can't, we can't have a wolf in this office. You got to get out of here. Oh, so weird. Um, would love to see it, though. 
and then he is in Stargate with Kurt Russell, which I have not seen and would very much like to. Yeah, uh, this is another one that's like super available. People can mm-hmm. watch it if they want. I have seen this movie. It's been so long. I don't really remember anything about it, but I do remember James Spader in this movie. My memory of him is that he's kind of the like Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park of this movie. Oh, like he's meant to be the kind of hot, sarcastic science guy. Ooh, I'm I, into I that. Think. I think I'm pretty sure my memory of that is right. I, I think I'm just picturing like when Jeff Goldblum has a shirt open in <laughs> Jurassic Park, but as James Spader. Uh-huh. Like, ooh, okay. <laughs> I, I I hope I'm right about that. I, that that seems right to me from what I remember about the movie. Um, but it's been. I mean, I haven't seen that movie since I was like a, like young. You know what I mean? Gotta watch it. Yeah. Um, and then in 1996, he is in David Cronenberg's Crash. Hell yeah. Which, Fucking perfection. Which we love. We've talked about before, right? Or have we not talked about it on this show before? I can't remember if we've talked about it. I don't know who we would have talked about. Yeah, I guess this. not. We haven't covered anybody. Yeah. Oh, were any of were any of the Cronin boys in this one? Did we give it a talk for that? No, I guess not. No. No yeah. Cronin boys either. No. Yeah. yeah. You're right. I had the same thought earlier where i was like we've talked about this movie on the podcast before and i can't figure out when that would have happened yeah yeah because this is great uh, and like one of those movies that i think you and i went into being like kind of expecting to like yeah i think i'd even seen it before but like only kind of liked it didn't really remember it that much and then like both came out of like this is a fucking like towering tremendous work of it's like so fucking good it's so this i think is gonna pair well with another speeder movie we're gonna talk about later where this was a movie and this happens so often i think with like people that are just like trying to like talk about sex in weird genre films yeah um and like it being david cronenberg and stuff too there's that added layer but whenever there's a movie like this that has like a this kind of crazy plot with like deviant sex and kink. Everyone's just like, Oh, that movie's so fucked up. And that's the only thing I ever hear about the movie. And I don't ever hear people talk about like the really interesting, like social and cultural and like the relationship issues. Like this movie actually just has so much interesting stuff going on with its characters. And that's never what people talk about when they like talk about these movies. They're like, oh yeah, that one's really fucked up. <laughs> it is so funny how puritanical like Americans are. Cause I know. like e- even people that I know for a fact, uh, you know, um, I get now I'm realizing like, do I, is this a thing I should even say out loud about other people? But it's like people that I know themselves have like some deviant behavior that they, yeah. they will engage in. We'll still describe a movie like this and be like, you ever see Crash? The movie's fucking yeah. fucked up, man. And it's like, I don't, I mean, it's, I guess so, but like, not really. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what it's about, really. No. You know, like, and it's like, yes, are people trying to incorporate cars into their sex play? A hundred percent. Yes, that is definitely what's yeah. happening in the movie. Uh, and I, I get that that is, that is fucked up. Yeah. Sure. But this is a movie that, I just like immediately drop into and it's, I think it's because it's Cronenberg and yeah. I've been working on this Cronenberg project for so long. Mm-hmm. And I think in general, the themes of his movies just like hit me the right way. There's yeah. like stuff he's dealing with that like are things that I'm very interested in. And so when I start those movies, I just like drop in immediately and I'm like in that world and I'm like, awestruck by these characters and like every word they're saying I'm like hanging on it just happens with these types of movies for me and so then I'm like yeah there's fucked up stuff in it but like I feel like because there's like this 
fucked up stuff going on, you're like not actually getting to the really interesting human shit that's happening underneath it all. Well, I I don't personally find it that hard to watch a movie like Crash yeah. and and be like So we've also we have the unrated one, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I just I don't find it difficult to watch a movie like this and and just kind of immediately be like, all right, well, I don't fuck cars and I don't want to fuck cars <laughs> and I don't want to fuck in a car that's crashing. Like yeah. none of that is like my bag, but I, I can pretty immediately and easily go like, but what in my own life do I do that mm. I that I relate to in this? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like for sure. What is this a metaphor for or what could this be a metaphor for if I'm being open enough to say like, yeah, but there's also deviant things yeah. that I'm interested in or whatever, you know, like what? I can find my way into yeah. stuff like this. I don't need to like look at it in such a binary kind of like that's what it is and it's only that. It's all about how this yeah. guy gets hard when he sees a crashed car. Well, you know? like I think Cronenberg just likes uh likes talking about like metamorphosis through yeah. his movies and oftentimes like sex and technology play a really big role in that. Mm -hmm. It's what he does in The Fly and Videodrome. Mm -hmm. It's just like a huge part of like the themes of his films. And I like those ideas and I like these weird like groups of people that we're just dropping into and being like, oh, you think that like sexual kinks with cars is like the next step in human evolution? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, That's, yeah. I don't agree with you, but I think yeah. it's fascinating as shit. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and Spader is so perfect for a Cronenberg role. Oh, yeah. I think him, like, the whole cast is really great. Um, Holly Hunter is really amazing. Yeah, she's I awesome in this. I'm blanking. Oh, uh, Deborah Kara Unger, who plays his wife in the movie. Mm -hmm. They're all, all fucking great. Yeah, uh, Elias Cotillas. Elias Cotillas. like, the yeah. cult leader. Yeah, yeah. Um, he has, he had a quote where he says, I have my own artistic sensibilities and Crash compliments them. It is a provocative, challenging, disturbing film made for adults. It's not a skeleton in the closet for me, which is like, I like that description of him yeah. working on it. Um, and I know I was going to read it beforehand and totally blanked, but I have this book called Cronenberg on Cronenberg mm -hmm. and it's like interviews with him about his different movies. And I know he specifically talks about like Spader being someone who just immediately kind of dropped into the themes of mm -hmm. this film and what Cronenberg was trying to do. And all of that just makes complete sense to me. There's something about the way Spader can like, like I got really into when we were watching his movies this week He's really good with his face. There's something mm. he can do with like his eyes and his face where you can see him considering things, you can see him processing things. And in Crash in particular, I feel like it's also the way he uses his voice as well, right? Like again, we'll talk about another mm. movie where it's like he has such control over his voice and the way he speaks and the volume at which he chooses to speak at different times. Something about his face, his voice, the way he utilizes those two instruments in a movie like Crash, yeah. where it's like, I feel like I can watch him tapping into this sort of like mm. what you described before as like an almost like otherness, like an almost yeah. like, like he is f like, like he is going to a parallel dimension and coming back with yeah. information from there or something. Yeah. Is what I'm saying even making sense? Like, yeah. And I wonder too. So one of the facts about him that I found, and I forget what the term for it is, but he's one of those people that can like read something once and like completely remember it. Like yeah. there might be like a the or in like small words, like he might not be able to remember, yeah, yeah. but overall he like knows the script. So I wonder if that ability also just helps him because like, like 
memory isn't going to be a problem right. for him where he's able to just like really tap into like how I'm going to say these things. Yeah, yeah. What inflection am I going to use? The physicality of yeah. the words as they come out of my what body. What emotions am yeah. I putting through? And I know like tons of other actors are able to do that. Sure, but, like, sure, yes. but I, I do think there is something interesting because he also does this thing a lot where he just like stares like very intensely yes. and delivers lines. Yes. And I'm just like, God, this really does look like it is just one cut of him doing this. Like he is just like on it and knew exactly how to do this. And he'll do that thing where he will talk deliberately and slowly. But then if there's like a big chunk of something, yeah. he can go from the slow, deliberate yep. to giving you all of the rest of what you need to hear really quickly, very yeah. st like succinctly and stated, like yeah. staccato. It's really, really interesting what he's capable of yeah, in it's that like way. I feel like because of that, I wonder if he just gets like longer chunks of dialogue because he has so many of those moments where he is just like delivering yeah. for a while. Yeah. I love it. It's, but it's so really good. impressive. Yeah. And uh, I mean, yeah, Crash is just a fucking, I really think this is like an all timer great movie yeah. that just has this reputation because it got like an X rating when it yeah. first, when Cronenberg first tried to release it. Mm -hmm. Like it has this reputation that, it deserves, but I think that there's like a good movie in there that people are maybe not yeah. aware of and are, you know, more people probably would like this movie than they think, yeah. I guess. It's like when know? people just like write stuff off because it's like genre stuff right. and they're like, eh, that's like, it's probably weird or crappy or whatever. And it's like, oh, but like you're totally missing out on. And like, I get it because I'm that person that kind of just wants to watch genre things too, but I think it's because they're are movies like this that are total gems that I feel like delve into aspects of human nature that I just don't see in like your typical, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Th this movie is about the limits of desire, you yeah. know, like it, it's, but tackled in such an interesting extreme way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fucking great movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, you really should good. go watch Crash. Yeah. Um, he also, I found a quote too, where he just talks about like being in like an environment with parents where he felt like, people were just like comfortable with sexuality mm. and like people like people weren't like scared to be like just naked around each other and things like that and I do think that's also interesting where it's like he seems like a little like less inhibited because maybe he grew up in this environment where sure. people weren't as puritanical and weird yeah. about like sex and your body yeah, he's and not fucking repressed yeah <laughs> like yeah. that must be nice yeah um after that, uh, he is in a movie called Two Days in the Valley with Jeff Daniels and Charlize Theron. Yeah, uh, I've heard about this movie a bunch. I need to see this movie. Yeah, uh, it sounded like it's just like a kind of stories that like tie in together like throughout like yeah. Hollywood mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, in 1997, he is in a movie called Driftwood. Um, a solitary woodcarver takes an injured uh, amnesiac on the Irish coast and tries to keep him for herself. Okay. Sounds fucking weird. Yep. I'm into it. Uh, he is then in a movie called Keys to Tulsa with Eric Stoltz and uh, Deborah Karen Unger and Karen Diaz. Oh, Karen Diaz. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Keys to Tulsa. I've never heard of that. Yeah, me neither. Um, also funny that he works with Eric Stoltz so much. He also mm. has that short he does with him. What was it called? Greasy Lake. Oh, yeah. The Greasy Lake. The Greasy Lake. Um, he's in a movie called Critical Care with Kira Sedgwick, who I really love. Um, and then in 1998, he is in a movie called It All Came True with Michael Caine and Maggie Smith. All right. A man buys a house in Manhattan uninhabited for decades except the ghosts of the previous owner and his wife and they meddle in his love life what the fuck sounds so fucking weird okay 
what a weird cast too yeah. for this movie. Uh, in the 2000s, uh, for TV, he was on The Practice and Boston Legal. Uh, and then in 2000, he stars in director Walter Hill's movie Supernova. Yeah, sort of director sort of. Walter Hill's movie Yeah, you Supernova. did a I did a bunch research. of research on this because two people are listed in the directing credits, like anywhere you look online. Yep. The name on the actual title card in the movie is neither of the names that you find online when you look up the movie. Uh, and basically, Walter Hill uh, directed this movie, but then it seems like uh, maybe made some choices with it that the studio wasn't happy with. They hired somebody else to reshoot a bunch of the movie and re-edit the movie. Mm-hmm. They still weren't happy with the movie. They apparently paid like a bunch of money to Francis Ford Coppola to also then re-edit the movie. Mm-hmm. The word is it's unclear how much Walter Hill footage even remains in the movie. Like, uh, so it's a weird mess of a movie for sure by like all measures. Um, I felt like in the first half hour, there was some stuff that seemed to me as a Walter Hill fan where there were just shots that felt to me like they looked like Walter Hill directed them. Mm. And I really liked the shots. Um, the rest of it was just kind of nonsense that I don't even really remember, and I'm only like three days out from seeing it. Oh, it was such a weird movie, and it's got a crazy cast. Yeah, it it's, does. Uh, Angela Bassett, uh, Robin Tunney, who's the star of The Craft, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and Robert Forster. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, kind of small role for him. Which, like, yeah, he was like the third person listed in the cast or something, and then I was like, oh, you were only in this for 15 yeah. minutes. Um I also feel like this is one of those movies that, and I know I feel like I talk about movies being super horny all the time, especially like weird, cheapo, like sci-fi movies. Yep. But this movie was super horny. Uh, very horny. And you, we were talking about the the film had issues with its rating because yep. they were it they were kept trying getting to get a PG-13. R. They they wanted a PG thirteen movie. But there was stuff like embedded in the script yep. that I'm like. Well, you could have just like not done that. Yes. Like for some reason there's this thing with like they get into these pods to travel like across the galaxy and they have to be completely naked for yep. it. And the only reason they really establish that is so that way like James Spader and Angela Bassett can be naked together in yep. one of these pods and then she gets pregnant. Yep. Um there's two, maybe three scenes with anti-gravity sex. Yes. And apparently this was like a big deal. This was like one of the things that they like spent a bunch of money on in the movie was like figuring out how to do these anti-grav sex scenes. I believe if I'm not mistaken, they spent a bunch of money basically making one and then recycled that footage and CGI to other actors' faces on it so that other characters could also have zero G sex. I feel like that does not surprise me at all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Just a really strange movie. So weird. Uh, Also strange in that, like, and again, it it underwent all these reshoots and stuff, so who knows, like, how you get here. But, like, the third (laughs) act, the main character of the movie, James Spader, definitively the main character of the movie, is separated from the rest of the cast for like the entirety of the third act. And all of the yeah. really eventful shit happens with the rest of the cast back on the ship while he's doing some pretty boring shit on like a weird like structure on a planet. And then he just comes back to save the day essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the really bizarre. Thing. Which yeah, that has to be something that happened with the filming. It has to because it just seems so it's such a weird bizarre, and it's such unorganic. a bizarre storytelling yeah. choice. Yeah, why would you separate yeah. These all all these really interesting characters. Yeah. yeah. 
It was really bizarre. Sorry. I, I, you know, I didn't necessarily expect to like this movie, but when I saw that Walter Hill was involved, I was like, oh, we should definitely watch it. Yeah. And for the six shots that I was sure he directed, I was like, oh, God, I, I want to see his movie of yeah. this. Um, there's these beautiful shots occasionally, um, but then everything else is like really generic and, yep. you know, yeah. Uh, speaking of weird movies, uh, after uh-huh. Supernova, he was in The Watcher with Keanu Reeves and Marissa Tomei. And the only reason we watched it uh-huh. is because Keanu Reeves plays a serial killer and I needed to watch that. Yeah. I just needed to know what that was. And on that front, uh, delivers hard. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Keanu does murder dances, but like but gets so excited intro, about murdering, he dances. To like uh, douchey 2000s music. Yeah, it turns out all movies from the year 2000 have the exact same soundtrack. It's so funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I forget if it was like a zombie song or a Manson song. It's or like a something. Rob Zombie or a. Yeah, yeah, they all have the same soundtrack. It's Orgy, it's Rob Zombie, it's Marilyn yes, Manson. Yeah. It's, yeah. And. So, yeah, it's like this cat and mouse game between Keanu Reeves and James, James Spader. Spader. Spader's like an FBI yeah. agent who had been on this serial killer's trail for a while. It got to the point where they were literally like Joker and Batman. Yep. They were toying with each other, and it destroyed Spader's career. He had to move away from that city yep. and move to a different city where that serial killer has now followed him. Because he's essentially in love with James Spader. Yes. Yeah, they almost explicitly are like, we love each other, right? Yeah, he's like, I almost quit killing because you were gone. And so then I needed to follow you and keep killing people. And I was like, oh, that's romantic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It it is uh, almost explicitly the sort of like Joker Batman psychology that everybody is now very familiar with. It's really funny, too, because like obviously Keanu Reeves is a very attractive human being. Yeah. But he is so explicitly creepy that it's wild that women actually fall for what's happening. Because he's just like, he'll just be like, oh, you're so beautiful. And the way you're just like, oh, God. Like, it's so cringy the way he's saying it and looking at her. But she's just like, oh, my God, thank you. You're like, no. And I mean, I think what the movie wants us to think is that, like, wouldn't this be scary? He's so good looking that it's, like, disarming. Like, people are willing to do things they wouldn't do with other people. Uh, But it is, it comes off very strange. There's, like, a scene with a homeless woman asking for change. And he's like, I'll give you change if you dance with me. And you're like, what the fuck? This dude loves to dance. He dances, like, (laughs) seven times in the movie. Oh, it's his favorite. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, this wasn't good. No, this was a pretty bad movie. But, like, I'm glad we watched it. Me too. (laughs) There's, like, lots of things to like. I mean, Spader is getting, like, shabby and shambly. And, like, playing his asshole character but broken yeah and it's like it turns out it's this other mode that he's really good at which is just like sort of a a hollowed out shell of a person you know for sure um uh which i think he's done a few times and and is very good at as well um and you know reeves is just doing some really weird strange stuff this is from that part of his career where i don't know that people knew exactly what to do with him and i don't Mm -hmm. know that he knew what he wanted to do with his career, you know? And so he's like, he gets in these weird roles and things where you're like, I don't know what's going on here, you know? Yeah. It, there's definitely reasons to recommend this, but also it kind of looks like a fucking album cover from the year 2000. It's real also bad. Also true. Yeah. Uh, in 2001, he is in a movie called Speaking of Sex with Lara Flynn Boyle, Bill Murray, and Catherine O'Hara. Oh, I've, I've never heard of this. It's I a, like all those people. It's about a marriage counselor and a male depression expert who try to solve a couple's marital problems. Okay. Interesting, I guess. Uh, and then in 2002, he is in Secretary. 
Hell yeah. Which we watched. This is the other movie we were referencing with Crash about. Yeah. Where literally right before we watched it, a friend of mine was like, oh, man, that movie is fucked up. And then we watched it and I was like, I loved that movie. They so cute. It was very cute. Yeah. It it like really worked for me, yeah, me too. and I don't know. Me too. I yeah. liked it so much. And but it's yeah, you're right. The only thing I knew about this movie is that like it was supposedly super fucked up, and it's just because it's about people kind of it's discovering a- like they're into S and M. Yeah, it's always been described to me as like a very kinky movie. I think it's one of those movies that like at one time was considered like a very sort of positive portrayal of kink. I think has now become like a little bit dated, you know. I don't. Yes. I don't think people are as enamored with it, specifically as a positive depiction of of this kind of kink, you know. Yep. Um, but I actually think it's like pretty respectful to this kink and stuff, you know. I it's agree. Like, uh, I think overall, f- for being a Hollywood movie, it's like pretty respectful to this kink. And, yeah. And, and and mostly depicts it pretty well. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean it. Again, it's like I suppose that this is considered deviant sexual behavior, but. The actual relationship at the heart of this movie, the mm-hmm. way that it is depicted, yeah. and the way that these people grow as people because of their relationship with each other, yeah. is really good and interesting, and has depth to it, and is cute, and like yes. I liked it so much. A hundred percent. Yeah, all of those things. Yeah, yeah. It also, was this guy has a fucking secretary needed sign, like it's a vacancy at his it's fucking so law office. It's really weird. And then he just like takes care of orchids, and yeah. you're like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, this is so sweet. It's a, I mean, it is a strange movie, but it is one that I really enjoyed. I thought was very funny. Yeah. Like, I actually think a lot of what people think is fucked up about this movie is literally meant to be comedy. I, yeah, there was a lot of really funny moments in this movie. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I thought was very funny that I was like, yeah. I'm assuming this is what people, when they tell me, like, you'll never believe it. Th- this is what they're, th- this is what they're thinking like, about. Uh, okay. Sure. Like, did you not get that this was funny? Yeah. <laughs> I loved this movie. Yeah, I did too. It was really great. And he, this is where, I mean, this is the movie where it's like, he really gets into this very calm, mm-hmm. low delivery and is very controlled in the way that he talks. Yeah. And it like adds so much to what he's doing with this character and the idea of this mm-hmm. character who like at a certain point in the movie, you realize, you know, part of his kink is being in control and yeah. having all of this control over his world and, and mm-hmm. things in his world. But, like, in reality, wants to run away from this as much as she wants to run away from her cutting. Like, thinks yeah. thinks that this is something that is wrong with him. And that has something to do with why he presents himself in this way and why he talks in these. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. he really, he bakes so much into the layers of this character and the way that he talks, the way that he yeah. moves, how... Uh, specific and controlled this man is you know yeah and i mean it's uh, you know he's playing someone who is like has this kink but is also kind of repressed and thinks that it is bad that he has this kink and it is something that he needs to overcome yeah and so it's interesting watching him play someone who does have this kink but like is very like uh repressed about everything that he's doing and it it works really well he treats it as if it's an addiction yeah which is sort of what people try to teach her about her cutting and stuff yeah you know Mm -hmm. um and and it turns out for these two people um you know what they were running away from is something they find in each other yeah you know Uh, and i just think that's beautiful i do too i really liked it it was really nice yeah 
Um, after that, he is in a movie called The Stick Up, directed by Rowdy Harrington. Oh, what? He did another movie with Rowdy? And then in 2003, he's in a movie called Eyewitness, directed by Rowdy Harrington. What? He's in all that many Rowdy yes. movies? And okay, that well. one is him, Jeff Daniels, and Portia de Rossi. Okay, I, we gotta watch these movies. It's insane. I, like, can't believe it. I think it turns out I like because you and I love Roadhouse. Like, yep. We love Roadhouse. I think we like Rowdy. I think I think we like Rowdy. We gotta watch these Rowdy Spader yeah. hookups. We Who knows what it. the later ones are like? Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, he's then in a movie about uh, called Alien Hunter about <laughs> a uh, alien black box that is found in the South Pole and a government agency is conducting experiments. I mean, this seems like a movie that he made because he was like, I need more money for the for next sure. six months. Uh, in 2004, he's in a movie called Shadow of Fear with Aiden Quinn and Robin Tunney. Uh, when a young man accidentally kills someone, he is plunged into a rich man's world of blackmail, betrayal, adultery, and murder. Wait, I like the way people aren't seeing this, but the way this is written is of blackmail, betrayal, adultery, and dot, 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 murder. But also, he was already involved in murder because he killed someone. I know, and also like... So he was already in his life. And they're trying to like, I don't know, make some grand distinction between murder and things like adultery, betrayal, and blackmail, which I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, it's like chill. Yeah. (laughs) And then we get to his roles in the 2010s. Um, So for TV, he had a recurring role on The Office where he played Robert California. Yeah, where they make use of all of the things that we love about Spader. They make use of... uh, Big time in that. Yeah, there's like a lot of stuff about those later seasons of The Office that aren't great. Right. Uh, but Where he Robert California is the best thing. He's incredible. Him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's there's this really funny scene because like he makes Jim very uncomfortable, yes. which is really funny to me because Jim is never really uncomfortable by anyone. Well, and it's like because his read on. The way he plays Robert is so good because it's like, one, it's the deviant kind of character yes. that we've talked about, right? But two, it's that. He is unreadable by other people. Yes. He is uh, the kind of person where you just can't figure out, like, no. is he joking with me? Is yep. he serious? Like, people cannot get a read on this guy. And I, I get that, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, I've never worked for Robert California, but I definitely have worked for people, like, I could not read, and yeah. it drove me crazy yes, every yeah. single day. Yeah. Uh, but there's this one scene where he's like, Jim, do you want me to give you the uh, sex analogy or the like uh, nature analogy? And Jim's like, oh, I'd rather have the nature analogy. And then he's just like, okay, well, when it comes to sex, and then he just <laughs> immediately starts going into like inappropriate yeah. sexual stuff, yeah. and it's so funny. Yeah. And then he has that great scene where he's on the phone and he just goes, I'm the fucking lizard king. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think about that all the time. <laughs> Oh, man, he was really, really funny in that role. He was incredible. And it's like, remember when they did the whole, like, we're replacing Michael, like, storyline? Yes. And it was like Will Ferrell, Jim Carrey. Like, yeah. it was these big heavy hitters. And and then Spader was, like, kind of the, like, you the least expected. You're like, I don't know what to, yeah. but then is so perfect for what they end. I don't know. He ends up being the... Of all of these great people that they bring in, he is the right one. Because he's part of that montage of yeah. all those great actors. Yeah. But then he does this thing where he like doesn't actually answer any of their questions yeah. or like give them any of the information they need. Yeah. But he is just so weird, but also insanely charismatic that they're just all under his spell, yeah. which is also a really funny aspect of that character to yeah. me. It's like he's so weird and creepy and off-putting, but then also manages to like totally entrance people. Yes. It's great. Love it. 
Um, and then he's been on the blacklist from 2013 to like now. So like yeah, that show is still on oh, quite a while. Um, yeah, and a I decade. think I've seen an episode or two. I think my dad was really into the show and it seems like it could be like a People fun like watch. This show, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's wild. Cause he's only, he was only in three other movies after say, this. Pretty much what he did for this decade yeah. was star in the blacklist. Yeah. And so I'm interested if he'll like start being in films again because it's been years yeah um in 2012 he was in lincoln which uh, i would like to see that's a spielberg movie it's a good movie yeah, uh, I've heard it's good. yeah you know it's it's like a weird thing where i like you know it's hard to convince me to see movies like this because yeah. it's like you know it's like historical drama and like yeah, i like history that but I like that's not it because it's yeah. Spielberg. yeah uh but it was a good movie i liked it a lot there's it's got a great cast obviously yeah um in 2014 he's in the homesman starring tommy lee jones and hillary swank yeah and then in 2015 he was in avengers age of ultron yes he was he played the titular ultron yes he is ultron which i found a really funny quote where he just says what the hell can i bring to an eight foot robot you know i don't that's not my skill set uh real quick uh tommy lee jones wrote and directed the homesman i thought i knew that oh um, gotcha that was okay. what i went to look up there really quick um yeah he's like actually directed like a couple of uh late period westerns i think uh, today might be his birthday i saw someone post about oh happy birthday uh, someone uh what's that movie we watched recently that we liked black uh sun or oh black moon rising black moon rising yeah yeah with Tommy Lee. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Someone posted about that recently and I was like, ah, that's great. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, okay. So Avengers Age of Ultron is probably one of my lesser favorite um, Marvel it's, No, movies. it's not great. I honestly forgot he was in it because uh, I haven't well, seen it like since Well, he's like the really good thing about it, I yeah, think. Yeah, he he's is fun very in good. in that role. Yeah. He, again, it's like the his his whole thing with the way he can control his voice. Yeah. And then the idea that Ultron is this like robot that goes on the internet for five seconds and it's like, okay, humanity deserves to die or yep. whatever. It's like that yeah, that all all of that reads a spader to me pretty well. Yeah. I, I I get him as that character very you know. Well, and like one of the things I saw was like people talking about how like uh it's interesting how they've like taken this like sexual energy that he had in so many roles and like now that he's older, they're like using it for like comedy. Yeah, yeah. And I he doesn't have like sexual energy in an Avengers movie. Right. I feel like sex doesn't exist in Avengers <laughs> Agreed, movies. Yeah. Um but he he does still have some of that like essential like charisma yeah. and there's like the humor element of it too and I think he does that really well and it, what I read was like he like didn't know like how the fuck am I gonna play this robot yeah. and so they kind of helped him along figure out like oh okay like this is the kind of like character we like want you to be yeah. and then it became it made like much more sense to him uh which is interesting and yeah it's funny that he is a villain and he's in the Marvel universe that's weird to me it's but... really weird and, I, and if you look at again this is his most recent credit you know other than the blacklist yeah this is his most his recent last credit. Movie. And if you look at every credit we just mentioned before this, I bet he had never stood in front of a green screen before. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, yeah. It must have been hard to act in Avengers Age of Ultron for him. I you know? have to imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's it for his films. Um, he won three Primetime Emmy Awards for The Practice in Boston Legal. I thought um, I knew that, that it wasn't just like, I thought I knew that that was a very popular, well-regarded yeah. show. Um, he received a Golden Globe and several Screen Actor Guild nominations as well for those roles. Um, apparently, he is someone that does not like to watch any of the movies he's appeared in. That makes sense to me. Yeah. He seems like that type. 
Uh, also, IMDb mentioned he loves cooking and is an excellent chef. That honestly weirdly makes sense to me, too. Yeah. Would love to have a meal cooked by James yeah. Bader. Um, I found a note, too, that uh, he has very poor eyesight and cannot wear contact lenses. Um, his, he said that in roles in which he does not wear glasses, um, he can barely make out the faces of the <laughs> actors across the room the room from him. That is insane. Just so wild. Um also, apparently, he was close friends with John Kennedy Jr., which is really fascinating oh. to me. They went to the same high school. So he is actually, like, uh, like kind of a rich kid from the the East Coast. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he was rich. Like, we, he worked right. a bunch of weird, odd jobs uh, while he was well, trying to, like, Well, that's true, right. It. Okay. Um, I know, I think, like, one of his parents, at least, was a teacher or something. Okay. But, like, you know. But he's, he's been around that, like, waspy world. Yeah, it's like that, you know, just affluent yeah, Boston yeah, community, yeah. which is uh, just kind of interesting. Um, and, yeah, it seems like he's a really pu- uh, private guy. Um, he's, like likes to try to like uh, not do many interviews Mm -hmm. tries to like kind of stay away from the media i think like he has like three kids and he's like pretty closed off about that too so yeah his his persona and his characters are very mysterious and uh i remember listening to an interview with um john c Riley, where john c Riley said he doesn't really like to talk about his private life at all because what he is good at is clowning and you mm. can only believe a clown if you don't know anything else about the clown. Yeah, that's Knowing anything about the clown means you can't really enjoy the clown. Mm. Uh, and so I I, uh, I think that applies to the same kind of... Yes. He's such a mysterious character uh, and such a mysterious scream persona that if we knew anything about him, he'd be less mysterious, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that works for him. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, uh, he... Uh, I found some information on him from a Rolling Stone article and then also a budget savvy diva.com, which had uh, Spader and Paul Bettany talking about working on Avengers together. I bet budget savvy diva.com is your homepage. Uh, Yeah, it's definitely it. Um, And then also some of the information I found was from a different article, but uh, apparently appeared in a Playboy interview that he did as well. Yeah. Of course, that's where he's like, yeah, I'll give an interview to Playboy. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, Spadey. Well, I greatly enjoyed talking about Jimmy Spades. Yep. I loved watching his movies. Like, even the bad movies we watched were so entertaining. Yeah. He's just a... He is... I think he is, like, a magnetic screen presence. I agree. He's um, really good. And he just... He's really evolved uh, as an as an actor in such interesting ways. Well, it's also interesting, too, because when I was thinking about doing him, I mean, most of his career does seem to be, like, weird genre B-movies yeah. and things. But, like... But I'm like, he, like, I don't know, like, lives in the cultural mindset in such a strange, specific way that I almost wasn't sure if he was, like, good for the podcast. I do think people think of him as, like, an A-list movie star. Yeah, but he's only been in 54 movies. I know, and, and a uh, lot many of, it, of them yeah. are, you know, uh, the kind of stuff that we yeah. like and talk about, yeah. Yeah, or, like, you know, kind of these, like, indie gems yeah. that uh, have gained popularity and, mm-hmm. like, some cult status and mm-hmm. stuff. It's very, I mean, you know, I think, like, Lincoln and right. Age of Ultron are, like, the biggest yeah. things he did. Yes. And those, you know, are in his later years, which yeah. is fascinating. Yeah, I know. It is It, it is interesting how he looms large in, like, yeah. uh, American culture. Yes. Uh, Given that, and that maybe it, maybe it's just uh, the role he's had the right roles on TV, and mm-hmm. people just know him from the quote unquote being in their yep. living rooms or whatever. I don't know, but he's the quintessential American asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, uh, 
we need to watch those other rowdy movies that he said. That's my big promise to myself. Gotcha. Gotta watch them. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Let's wrap up. Okay. Uh, you can find me on the internet at Philadelphia. That's with an F. Check out my letterboxed. I like being there. Uh, you can find me, uh, Tori Potenza, on the social media and things. Uh, I should have a new Women Who Kill up on uh, Movie John for the month of January that you can check out as well. And uh, email us. Yeah. Uh, KillerBSPodcast at gmail.com. Send just, us an email. Just say hey yeah. or whatever. Tell us what you're watching. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, let us know if there's something we should have watched from somebody we talked about, somebody you want us to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, I have compiled all the suggestions people have given us via email or we social media really long list um so yeah i appreciate them i have your lists i promise we will like get to things yeah. uh when we can um yeah. they were all great suggestions oh, as yeah. well thank you yeah. uh all right let's get out of here yeah buzz buzz, buzz.